This is Artistic Intelligence, where we explore the intersection of art, sustainability, and technology. This show is brought to you in partnership with the United Nations ITU AI for Good, Changing the Story podcast, and State. Now let's join your co-hosts, Neil Sahoda and Michael Ashley. Hi, welcome to another episode of Artistic Intelligence. Got a fantastic guest today, Sophia Crespo. She is an artist working on envisioning artificial life and generative life forms. One of her main focal points is the way organic life uses artificial mechanisms to simulate itself and evolve. This implies the idea that technologies are by a biased product of the organic life that created them and not completely separated object. On the side. Sophia is also hugely concerned with the dynamic change in the role of artists working with machine learning techniques. Sophia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> it's great to have you on today, Sophia. So, Sophia, for people that don't, that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about the story about you as an artist and how you came to create this art? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm a generative artist and I work with uh, machine learning techniques and neural networks. And these techniques, I've, I had been making art um, already since more than five years or so, but it wasn't until three years ago that I found out um, about machine learning. And it, it all started with uh, style transfer, actually. That was the first one thing that I found out about and I went um, yeah I got really hooked on uh, playing with it and trying to figure out how how I could how I could create something that looks alive and how I could communicate textures of nature-ness um, and that's basically how it all started <laughs> what, 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 what inspired you I mean we you know we think of art and your art is amazing, by the way, I was checking it out. I mean, what inspired you to get into this and use technology and like AI to do generative art? I think what I wanted to, um, before I did that, I was using a 3D rendering techniques. So I was trying to render, um, render out nature. And I realized that the, the, the process when you work on 3D renderings, you get to, uh, choose how every single part of the image is going to look like. And so when I um, when I eventually found out about uh, style transfer and, and in particular texture synthesis, which is the technique that I'm mainly using to create my work or one of the techniques, I realized that I could extract just the main visual concept of nature, that I could just extract like a texture that makes us think of... Um, of nature to us so um so basically that's that's something that really moved me because i realized i didn't have to render a 3d image or like to work on a specular material for example um for hours and hours i could just create the data set and train a neural network to understand and reinterpret them so it was a completely different workflow that really changed how I see images and how I see textures and meaning. Um, wow. 
So for people that don't know what generative art is and what you're doing, could you give people the, more the layperson an idea of what this is about? Because this is a relatively new yeah. way to create art. And so for the people that don't know, can you walk us through that? Yeah. So generative, I think the main concept behind generative art is that it's generated using uh, a programmatic interface or you get to program something about how the image is going to look so it's more of a logic aspect to it um i think at least that's how i think of generative art that one can generate like a batch of variations um of a single artwork it doesn't have to be necessarily like um like it's it's different to drawing a picture or you know even drawing like a picture digitally because in generative art we get to um to say like okay make a loop where for each variation there's a circle that's moving around for example that's an example of like um programmatic art and i think that's the idea that one can just generate the art um I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly <laughs> or simple enough, but at least that's how I understand it. Well, it, you're, you're kind of talking about maybe organisms and evolution and the way things may evolve, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually thought I was fascinating because I know when we chatted before, you mentioned like you never studied biology, but a lot of your, your art is actually centered around biology. I mean, what, what were the dots that got connected here? Yeah, I think I'm I'm fascinated by how uh, sciences and in particular biology looks at nature and tries to make um, like tries to understand it. So I've always been fascinated by like biological archives. You know, when you look at a single creature and how there's, a, for example, like a tree of different creatures and one evolved for another one and how the namings like the scientific namings that the, that each of them has and so so i've always been interested in how science sees like the natural world from that perspective um, also because i think there's something that changes the way we see the world or, or it it reflects a way in which humans see the world um, so so I think that's some yeah I, I think that's something that for me like when it came to expressing myself myself artistically I wanted to imagine uh like a speculative biology um or ultimately that that's what I want to do um and that I'm working towards yeah that's really interesting that term speculative biology and what you're talking about is really sh shaping our understanding of biology. And I wonder, <clears throat> from your experience doing this, what has it taught you? And uh, what is the future of art in your mind? I think um, that, well, thanks to um, all the new developments in technology, we're, we're each time going to make art that looks maybe more uncanny in a way, like to, to the real world. So it's going to be harder and harder to distinguish what's um, what's a real art piece or what, what is like, a, well, something generated and something real. Um, 
I think that's one of the things. There's also going to be like different marketplaces to sell art. And I think like the art world is going to change a lot with time. So there's also new technologies that are kind of changing the way we make a living as artists. Whereas back in the days, like, you know, you had to paint or, or draw, you know, if you were an illustrator and you had to have maybe a patron who would pay or, you know, for your art. And as artists now, we're having like different different ways of selling our art, like just selling digital pieces. <laughs> that's, cool. that's something completely new to me that I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Um, so I think technology is really changing the, like the way we work and make art, like create art. Yeah. I mean, what, what exactly do you think technology is, is giving you that you couldn't do otherwise? I mean, what's the kind of the, the secret sauce, so to speak, here that's allowing you to create new forms of art? Mm. Okay, so that's a, I, I could talk about this for, <laughs> for such a long time. I mean, so recently what I was thinking about, um, I was writing down something and I began thinking about why why are we um, really understanding our own, like the functioning of our own um, visual cortex, for example, or how we see the world? How is that being affected by computer vision? And ultimately, what I thought is that, you know how we learn from having to teach to somebody? Um, like if you had to explain to your niece, like the meaning of whatever, you know, then suddenly that helps you redefine how you, like how you are thinking about it. And I think in a way there's something that, um, that's very similar when we have to teach a machine how to do a certain action. Then suddenly we have to think like, okay, where do we start? You know, if I want to see like where a table ends and, you know, something else begins in a picture. I had to start by seeing the edges. And then suddenly, you know, there was a like neuroscientific study where they were already looking at that, at how we see edges and how we differentiate structures. So that has to happen somewhere in the visual cortex too. Like all those very low level functions that are happening there. Um, and so somehow I think that like by having to teach a computer to do things, we are faced with having to define how we see, like, you know, what, what are those things we are teaching in. So. I think as a, as a teacher myself, I, I know exactly what you're talking about and you do get a better understanding of something if you have to explain it to somebody else because you really mm -hmm. need to be familiar with it to explain it to somebody. Exactly. Uh, yeah, um, and that, but that makes me wonder, so with your art now, <clears throat> if, if you're the first wave of, of artists that are working in this way and you're teaching the computer to do this, um, would that mean that the next person could then just uh, kind of um, go off of what you've done, but they don't have to learn it as well? Or would you say that every person that's encountering this art is having to, to teach the computer? Is there no uh, shortcutting? No, there's definitely a shortcutting. I mean, I like, I wouldn't know how to program 
like a computer from scratch, like an operative system from scratch. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking what other humans have developed and I kind of take that for granted and I use it to do something else. So I'm kind of working on top of the work that other humans put in there. Um, so it's all collaborative actually. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, people always talk about using technology to create new forms of art, but I don't think people talk enough about how art actually influences the development of technology. Like mm. James Cameron wanted to make the movie Avatar. He had the idea, I think, more than 10 years before he made the movie, but he knew they didn't have the right movie camera yet. So it's like, someone will create it and then I'll make the movie. No one did it. He's finally was like, fine, I'll start a company and make the movie <laughs> camera. And that's how he did it. Do you, do you find that going on as well? Like in your work, are you realizing like, oh, I wish I could do something like this. Could someone build yeah. that? Definitely. I think that there's, um, there's like, it's becoming more and more legitimate as a research uh, practice, you know? So like the, the artist is also a researcher and is inspiring people who are doing like research at company and, you know, like actually being paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, or who actually have the training to do the tool. And so that's why um, like, I love speculative design because of that, because there's so many ideas there. And that's just fascinating. It's kind of like teasing the world of, you know, engineering, like to like think differently about something to, you know, keep pushing the boundaries. So, so yeah, definitely. Definitely. I want to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago about how the whole field, the whole way of making money as an artist is changing. You mentioned the idea that people have patrons, and I think that very much continues till, till today. And you also talk about different marketplaces. So for people that are unfamiliar with what you're speaking of, could you paint, no pun intended, paint a vision for, for <laughs> other artists, how they could get in on this and how they can be empowered to get into these different marketplaces? Because I don't think a lot of people are aware of this. Mm, yeah, so the so I recently found out that there's a, a place to sell artworks like the crypto world, like crypto art world. Uh, so one can sell their their works as like unique pieces or series and people are willing to collect it and buy it. They're just a digital work or it could even be like a scan of, um, of a drawing, but the people are going to buy like a digital version of it. Um, and like, I, I just very recently found out about it and I got started on it. And I was at first like really skeptical because I didn't know like what it was like. I hadn't seen, honestly, I hadn't seen much of a gender diversity, which is something that I had, that I was like, oh, well, you know, I kind of care about having diversity in the world and like in the art world. And so I wasn't sure like if I was feeling too comfortable at the beginning, but then I realized that it is actually really with with everything that happened, you know, like the virus and all of these things, like how we as artists have been affected by it, because uh, suddenly we cannot teach workshops in real life, or we cannot do exhibitions in real life. Like, um, 
I I saw I realized like lots and lots of artists were making a living out of this and I thought it was amazing you know that people are able to to collect an artwork and then maybe sell it I also saw collectors selling artworks like that they have bought years ago for a lot more expensive so that was great to see as well um and yeah, there are quite a few platforms out there. I'm still kind of haven't like haven't tried all. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to give like a list of the ones I know uh, as a link or something if that's useful. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We can put the yeah. We'll put the show notes. I I want to actually touch upon the diversity inclusion because you know it didn't naturally registered to me that maybe there's a challenge in the art world on that and you know I know that at least with like the this whole concept of virtual art exhibits it's giving more artists a chance for exposure but maybe you can touch more about the diversity and inclusion aspect because I don't think it's something that people actually think about when it comes to art. Mm, yeah I, I think about it a lot because I really care about representation um, Maybe what makes maybe uh, my mother is like a uh, one of the early feminists, kind of like she's an eco feminist, and she made a lot of her work about that. So I'm kind of um, yeah, I'm kind of influenced by that. But also the fact that I myself have been an immigrant for several years in this country, so um, I really care about these things, you know, and. Um, and I think they're really important because uh, we need diversity um, to function as humans. And actually, there's lots of scientific research of how diversity improves a team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, how having humans who come from different, but with different views of the world and different experiences actually makes a team work, grow richer. So... Um, so yeah, and I, and I noticed that in the more like old part of the art, art world where um, like there's more people who are seriously established, I saw that the majority of the top selling artists there are, are men and the majority of the collectors there are, are also males. Mm. So, um, so suddenly I realized like, okay, well, how much room is there to be like a successful female artist? And yeah, and I started thinking about that. And the more I thought about that, the more I realized there wasn't enough diversity in the art world. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little shocked. I guess it never, it never occurred to me, but it's like any other type of role, job, position. I mean, did... Did you encounter barriers in your career as an, a female artist? So I, I think that maybe I think about it because working in, with technology and like machine learning is in particularly like a, a male dominated mm. uh, field. So I think for that reason, I am more sensitive to it um, because um, I censor a lot of what my uh, technical, like technical commentaries that I would do on things, just to not be the one, the only woman commenting there, you know, on a forum or something. So I feel more self-conscious about it because of that. 
and I guess I kind of transferred that to the art world to to look at it. But um, there's definitely more females in the art world than there are on the machine learning world. Hopefully, that's changing. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring this to our attention. I very much hope it's changing as well. I uh, want to change gears just slightly and talk about your, your art itself, Sophia. If you could talk to us about some of the pieces that you're most excited about um, and to walk us through how you created them and, and so we can understand a little bit about your artistic process. Mm -hmm. So um, do you have any piece in particular or just the most like... Uh, like the pieces of maybe coral that sure. I've generated. Whatever, wherever you would like to start. So the serious neural zoo. Um, uh, so from there, those images of nature have been generated using a convolutional neural network, and that's made well. That's using a technique which is called texture synthesis, where basically instead of applying the style of one image to another, you just generate the texture out of a given data set. So there's a neural network that basically gives an opinion on your data set, and it generates a new uh, image based on maybe the average features of that data set you gave it. Um, and and I created several, uh, lots and lots of data sets and lots and lots of variations of those. And well, a huge part of the work is a curational process too, because one has to uh, make nice data set in order to create, <laughs> to get a nice output. And so the data set is key. By the way, um, just so people that, that don't know, what do you, when you say that you're creating a data set, could you walk us through what that means exactly? Yeah, so a data set would be like a collection of images. So I take, for example, like 10 images of a lion, mm -hmm. and I would generate a new lion using this neural network. It learns the key features, for, for example, those 20 images that I gave it, and it just is able to output a new one. Maybe it's a lion that has only one eye or, you know, like it didn't learn very well, like some parts of the lion, but, um, but that's its interpretation. It does the best it can with that data. So. Yeah. I, I find, so, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Sophia. No, I was just going to say that there are uh, as many data sets as uh, there, there is different media. Like if I were, you know, you could give it a neural network, audio data, or, mm -hmm. you know, video, just the frames of a video as a data. So there does, yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> I, I, I find your work mesmerizing. That's it literally is what I'm looking at it. And I guess I'm kind of full of wonder and awe about life, right? I mean, there's so much diversity in life. I mean, with your art, what's what's the impact you're actually hoping to create for people? Yeah, so partly um, I want to start a conversation about how we see nature from the perspective of technology. So, so also to have... Um, 
a way of uh, representing nature inside everything. It's like what we create with this technology. Um, and to meditate, I think it's also kind of selfishly <laughs> a meditation on uh, the things that I like about those textures that I see. So um, what I like about, you know, like being very visual, being a person who's very visual, I see like a texture and I'm like, oh, I really love that texture. I wish I could just extract it and take it out of its context so that I can show that to people and they can see how much I like just this texture. And so basically that's thanks to this technology, I'm able to do that um, and to, you know, show it to you and show you like, look, this is something I really like. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about it? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that there, then there's the, then there's the uh, the aspect where I'm wishing to take my work in a more environmental, um, like putting more of an environmental initiative into it so that I can actually contribute to uh, ocean conservation, for example. So that's something that I'm still working on right now. So to be able to to help the organizations that are caring for the environment right now. I have a follow-up question with that. So let's imagine we have an artist who's um, maybe even doing really well, but they, they're only familiar with, let's say, working with old school materials, paint and paper and brush, but they're really inspired by what you're doing and they want to break into this world. They want to learn. And maybe they don't have any technological background. I mean, what advice would you give this person who's really curious about this and wants to be a part of this new art, art, new art world? Mm -hmm. So there, so, um, well, uh, they're lucky because there are every day more and more tools to play with these uh, techniques. And so there's this software now, which is called Runway ML, and it allows people to um, work, work, trying out a bunch of different uh, code repositories without having to install any crazy dependencies on their machine or thinking too much about where they're running, um, uh, the code they're running, and to kind of tinker, you know, uh, with the different techniques. There's also um, other open source projects like ML4A, which is uh, machine learning from for artists, um, and they have a GitHub account with a bunch of different, um, yeah, a bunch of different techniques and even collab notebooks. So I think I learned a lot from ML4A because they also have guides explaining you how uh, what's happening behind the scenes, what the algorithms are doing how they were even uh, created. Um, so it explains a lot of things and I think it's a great resource. Awesome, I, I, I gotta ask a two part question tied to that. First part, does this mean that artists have to be part computer scientists now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so, like, because thanks to all of these techniques, uh, we're able to still 
be artists and even we don't even have to understand how the neural network works really we're just able to understand like what it's like how how we get that output from the data set that's you know and those parameters and that's it like we can just experiment and play with that it's really knowing the tools and how to yeah. use the tools uh, yeah sec second part of my question i have like no artistic skill i can't even draw a stick figure with you know all this technology tools coming out do i have a shot of being a semi-decent artist <laughs> i also cannot draw a stick figure <laughs> 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 there's hope for me <laughs> well i mean if there's hope for me there's definitely hope for you too <laughs> yeah so um yeah like i don't know how to draw and i don't I have other things that I plan on learning before I ever <laughs> learn how to draw manually. <laughs> I'm more interested in learning, I have a drawing machine, so I'm more interested in learning how to uh, like plot or what to plot basically uh, than drawing by hand. <laughs> by the way, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I have a little, man, he always asks me to draw things. I'm like, just ask your mommy to do it. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Um, so this is, this is absolutely fascinating, Sophia. Could you um, give us a vision, let's say it's five or 10 years from now, as to what the art world looks like because of these technological innovations? What kinds of art could we be creating? Where, where does your mind go in terms of imagination? Let's say it's five or 10 years from now. Mm, so it's always hard to do like speculations, but I think that, um, we're all going to have more and more possibilities of making art like just in the same way that when there were when the first digital cameras came out suddenly everybody could be a photographer um or you know start taking digital photography more seriously like uh or photography more seriously um and i think that's that the same something very similar is going to happen with doing generative art and using machine learning tools for it i think it's going to become easier and easier um, the more platforms that come out to yeah to allow people to do that because um well at the beginning it wasn't easier like not i'm not saying for me but for the very first AI artists that there were, they had to go through a lot of stuff to be able to run their code. And now every time there's easier, the resources that facilitate all that process. And so every time it has to be less and less painful. Um, so I, I basically think that it will just become easier to, to create, which yeah. is good. Yeah, that's, that's good. Definitely gives people more chance to express themselves. I'm going to ask, I don't know if you can give us a little sneak peek. What's your next big project going to be? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so right now I'm working with another artist, uh, Dark Fractures, and with him we've been working on generating 3D 
So that's something I wanted to do for a while. Like I, I didn't want to just generate 2D images. I wanted to see like um, a creature in 3D and actually create a physical object out of it. So that's what we're working on right now. Cool. For a residency project. Cool. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, it's a lot of work because we have to um, 3D print a lot, and I'm not a 3D printing expert, so it's all it's also like a huge learning process. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I need to be an expert soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see, but but I'm working on it. So that's super cool. Well, Sophia, if people want to learn more about the art that you've created and find out more about you and follow you, how can they do so? Well, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and I have a website. My um, I can give you my link, but also I'm Sophie Crespo ninety one. Um, that's my user and my website is sofiacrespo.com with an F. <laughs> so, yeah, so, cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure to put all those in the show notes for our audience. And Sophia, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for sharing your story Thank you. and your art with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.